Welcome to 20 Cent Retail's Podcast. I'm Vincent Panels. In this episode, I chat with Marco Nussien and General Manager France at Hitachi Solutions Europe. We will discuss the results of a survey titled Fashion's Digital Tipping Point, Why a Strong Transformation Strategy Needs a Strong Digital Foundation. Hitachi Solutions and K3 Business Technologies commissioned a survey over 300 directors of e-commerce, finance and buying and merchandising from footwear and apparel brands with a turnover of over 100 million euros. Insights were collected from France, Germany and the UK and the survey was conducted in Q2 of 2021. So it's quite recent and those directors active in the fashion channels were questions about the digital systems and the consequences of the pandemic. The results are quite fascinating and I thought it was interesting to get Marco's comments on the survey and on ERP implementation. So here you go, just enjoy your little chat with uh, Marco. Well, good afternoon, Marco. Thank you for being here. Hello, Vincent. Thanks for having me. Um, today, we're going to talk about a recent uh, study that uh, you conducted with uh, K3, that Hitachi conducted with K3 among uh, fashion retailers. Um, and let's start immediately with, with a question that, that uh, comes to mind when, when I read the study, is that when, when it came to face the changes and shift towards e-commerce last year due to the pandemic, it seems that a lot of fashion retailers were not ready when it came to their ERP system. Could you maybe explain more in details? What was their, their main issue? So, yeah, that, that was an interesting finding of the study we did. Um, we mainly spoke with uh, retailers from the UK, France, and Germany. Uh, but we realized that although the investments in uh, digital tools had started before the pandemic, um, even for those that had started and were well on their way to increase their capabilities to sell on social media and digital storefronts in general, um, they were starting to, obviously the others were in panic mode, right? They were trying to get something out the door and have e-commerce capabilities just to fill the gap of stores being closed. But everybody was facing, the ones that did not have strong ERP foundations uh, were finding out that um, it was creating problems in the digital storefront as well. Um, so in other words, uh, it's not sufficient to have uh, the ability to sell online if you're not going to be able to find the right amount of stock or inventory in the right place to be able to deliver it. So, you know, of course, if the priority is on increasing revenue, you can understand that all these uh, retailers uh, chose to direct investments there. Uh, but now I think we're seeing uh, the, the reverse side of the coin and um, some are finding out that uh, we also need to invest on solid data foundation, solid transactions to be able to make that experience come alive and make sure we're not missing any sales. So I guess, yeah, you, you'll find that in the study and, and it's, it's a surprising finding. Nobody likes to do ERP, but uh, a strong ERP is important to have strong execution also uh, on, on the digital storefront. Okay, well, that, that's uh, also then what was coming out of that study is that, as you mentioned, the ones who were not ready had issues, but then some experienced less frictions. And those were the ones that, that were mentioned as having invested in their digital ERP. Maybe you can explain a bit more about what is the digital ERP and what makes it so beneficial in that circumstances. Right. So, and I think we use the term uh, 
digital ERP a bit freely. It's, it's debatable. It may not be a universal term, but essentially you can think of um, uh, ERP has had its own uh, uh, transition uh, as part of uh, you know, the digital revolution. And we've really moved from a state where uh, ERP was software uh, built uh, on premises with you know, your own specialized hardware servers, sometimes very expensive too, because you couldn't run that on very simple you know, uh, things you could buy uh, to run a website. So basically, you know, old ERP is on-premises solutions. Um, I'm talking like 10 years ago already, but you know, some, some people have had already looked at um, taking some of that cost and externalizing it, um, outsourcing it to hosting partners, for example. But it hadn't quite, you know, ERP hadn't had its own uh, digital revolution. That came with the cloud. And um, really, and the public cloud in particular, now if you look at all of the big ERP vendors, even the smaller ones, they started by having a cloud solution. Sometimes not all of the functionality or capability of their older on-premise ERPs. Uh, but nowadays, really, if you look at, at solutions from the big ones, and um, in um, K3 works with my, Microsoft in particular, and so do we at Hitachi Solutions. So we know that solution quite well. The digital ERP really means something that's available on the cloud. Um, now you talked about um, you know, less friction or the advantages that these solutions bring. Um, you know, one of the things really is uh, uh, ERP doesn't really give you a competitive advantage per se. Um, and that hasn't changed with the cloud version of digital ERP. Um, on the other hand, it's important to have these processes in an ERP for operational excellence, uh, to have strong execution, to do things like making sure that you're, you, know, you don't have out of stock situations uh, in warehouses that serve customers uh, for your e-commerce operation or in stores. How do you run your replenishment, for example? Uh, do you do a good job with having stock with every single new collection you know, out there? Do you allocate quotas? All of these processes live inside the ERP. They don't live inside of your website or your storefront. So really the cloud ERP now does a good job with those as the uh, old ERP would, um, but it becomes acute for retailers that didn't have an ERP before, right? They might have very good, very strong uh, e-commerce solutions, but lack that ERP capability as they grow to a uh, you know, size of revenue where it's needed. Um, and for those, they need to jump in and, and really invest. And nowadays, I think it's easier with cloud ERP, uh, where you know, in the past, it, may, it meant a significant investment, capital expenditures, because you have to buy you know, those servers, you have to go after expensive consultants, et cetera, and invest in your yeah. team to have the skills. And nowadays with cloud, uh, you know, it's OPEX as opposed to CAPEX. So it's not capital expenditures anymore. Uh, it frees up some of the capacity uh, and maybe it's, it's easier to jump in. Um, so that's one of the, you know, less friction, I think, financially uh, is also true because you, um, um, you don't need to uh, carry all that cost on your balance sheet, which means, you know, you could invest that money into new store openings, for example, or new store concepts. So, you know, you know, to summarize, I think the answer to your question is um, cloud ERP doesn't buy you a competitive advantage, 
uh, it buys you uh, operational ex excellence, just like all the ERP would. The difference is it's easier nowadays to get into ERP when you didn't have one with the new cloud solutions. And, you know, OPEX means it's even easier financially. Um, from a technical standpoint, it's also easier to integrate these solutions. Um, you know, that was the other point I, was, I wanted to make. Um, you, have, you might have your new website, you know, mobile solutions. You want to integrate to social networks to sell there. Uh, but also, you know, for your staff, you might have some solutions to allow you to hire, uh, you know, temp workers for your stores, etc. Those solutions tend to be web-based, cloud-based nowadays, and they're easier to integrate with the new uh, cloud ERP. So, you know, that's not a long answer, but um, I think that's really what's to be expected. And now I think that's why we're seeing smaller companies also than before. ERP used to be you know, reserved to bigger, bigger retailers. Now I think that that's threshold is a bit lower as you can invest into a really cool, you know, um, solutions and, and cloud RP that have all the features you need. All right. So it, it does indeed, if I understand correctly, doesn't give you this competitive advantage, but gives you a much better visibility on your operations to sum it up. Correct. Yeah. All right. Well, an, an, another thing that, that was in the study, which was a bit uh, surprising for me, was it was mentioned that single source of real data is key. Um, I, I was a bit thinking when I read this because I was wondering, don't retailers have single source data? Do, do, do they collect their data from everywhere? Aren't, aren't all the information connected somehow or verified? Yeah, single source of data for, for you know for an old consultant like me, I, I, I've done this for more than twenty years now. So that's quite an old term. It's funny uh, I, that that we still use this term today. And it, it, single source of data means different things to different people. Um, I think uh, for finance people, that's the easiest thing to understand. And I think that's what uh, CFOs and their teams and accountants have been chasing for for years when they had IT tools. How do I reconcile, uh, you know, sales numbers that come from my stores and my point of sale systems uh, with what I carry in accounting? You know, that's been an age-old issue, and it's getting better with uh, more sophisticated tools. Uh, I think that's not the challenge we see today, right? We've we've really moved past those uh, integration issues. If you have a modern solution. Chances are, you know, you're running less into these types of reconciliation issues. Um, however, so you know, if you think about it, single source of data also applies to other functions than finance. Um, you know, uh, accurate inventory data is hard to come by because you're dependent on people actually doing the jobs correctly, and and you're dependent on how how well your solution is built, how well your processes are represented and modeled in that solution. So, you know, going back to that ERP where oftentimes, you know, that will live and where you will be able to look at your inventory data. Um, it's pretty rare that you will see a retailer have really accurate data about inventory sitting in store, for instance. Uh, they might have different systems for different warehouses today. The warehouse systems uh, have warehouse management systems that interface with the main ERP that carries the main inventory where it's valued for accounting. So again, you see that the single source of data is not as easy and doesn't always exist. Even at big retailers, we see that there are issues with um, uh, you know, having an accurate um, view on, on stock. 
you need, you can think about you know, how reservations are managed. For instance, I've seen retailers serve uh, customer web orders from stores directly. You know, if you don't have store inventory or if it's not accurate, then you might promise something to a customer you're unable to deliver. Um, so again, you know, the devil's in the details with this. And I think you might think that having the ERP solves all your problems. Um, and it's not like that. And there's no magic to this. You really need to think about all of the situations. Think about the processes. If you start with the customer experience first, I guess it's, it's easier not to make any mistakes and, and figure out you know, these scenarios. If the customer wants something, walks in the store, doesn't see you know, the size he wants, then what happens? You know, do we, am, I, am I forced to ask him to order on the web or can I actually quickly look at what's available in a different store, maybe have it come over, et cetera, et cetera. So again, single source of data, coming back to your question, uh, is rarely achieved in all those scenarios by, by most retailers today. And it takes really uh, strong processes and tools. And I think ERP, again, you know, we come back to that good master data that lives in a, a well-configured ERP solution is key to achieving that uh, level of execution. All right. Um, good. Well, you, you just mentioned now about the finance and the CFO uh, people. And, and I was wondering, because of last year with this rise in, in the digital commerce and the e-commerce, uh, wouldn't retailers be tempted to spend more of their budget towards developing these channels instead of the ERP systems that they may be need to reinforce? What's the trend today? What, what was the response of the people of those fashion retailers that you interrogated in the, in the survey? Well, that was one of the initial things we thought when why we wanted to launch the study um, together with K3. Uh, we actually did notice that uh, ERP was really on the back of the mind of many retailers. And you can understand it, right? Because even before the pandemic, they, they were the priority, I think retail, fashion retail in particular was a bit late to the, the party for uh, digital sales and uh, initially we saw a lot using externalized solution um, which can be costly and uh, you don't own you know the way it works and it leads to you know various various problems down the line so then the next wave was sort of taking ownership of that solution taking ownership of the activity uh, being present on more than just a website with social media um, having you know and so a lot of the investment went there and, and perfectly understandable again, and which means, you know, there's not, it's pretty rare that you have unlimited supplies of money. So you have to make some choices. And the choices these past, you know, five, six years have been to increase those capabilities online to, to increase your share of e-commerce, increase your, your share of digital sales um, and increase revenue. You know, that's been the goal. I think now we're seeing uh, particularly the more sophisticated retailers. I have a, you know, one of the large ones in Europe uh, we had as a client in my, when I was at Gartner. And we know that uh, they identified these issues early, even before the pandemic. They knew that they needed to look at their backend systems, their transactional systems to, uh, you know, not make sure that they were not looking at increasing sales so much anymore. It was more about how do I make sure I don't lose sales that I could have had otherwise, you know, due to out of stock items and things like that. So use data and analytics solutions to identify those situations. Uh, and then the plan was to roll out, you know, better, stronger processes in ERP. 
So I think you know you're correct in saying um, the priority has not been ERP so far. I think the, the 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 study reveals that you can also see some differences between um, respondents from the different countries. Um, and the purpose of uh, I think the communication is to show them that uh, it will need to be in the next the next round of thinking and uh, the next round of investment for fashion retailers. All right, um, and and. Something that I was also wondering is about the, this rise in efficiency and, and how with better data, better visibility, you, you, you increase the efficiency of your, your processes. Um, is it also seen as a uh, way to uh, attract new customers, basically, or, or to, to nurture the current ones? Is it... Yeah, I think it's both, really. Uh, you know, we, this is somewhat beyond what, what we what we write in the study and, and maybe it's, um, you know, interpreting that and based on what I've observed at some of our clients, but the next logical step basically now is, um, you know, if, if you think about building a view of the customer, uh, you know, having better customer insights, um, you essentially need to look at uh, data from people that haven't yet you know, performed any transactions or bought anything from you. So one thing you're trying to do is marry data from, you know, website traffic, et cetera. You can look at you know, customers before they actually become customers, identify those people, try to marry that data and join it with um, actual transactional data from your customers. It's still very hard today to, when somebody walks in the store, um, you know, based on, the, the data you can capture from that store visit, either from their phones or from you know, the, the credit card payments, it's still hard to, to merge that data and make conclusions um, to identify the same person when they visit your website. But I, I guess that's the goal. So um, attracting new customers or converting, you know, having better conversion rates and people who might be interested in your brand, visiting your website, but somehow having made a purchase or uh, you know, maybe, maybe there's a way to, to, to make better use of that data. And that is, again, you know, possible if you have strong data foundations. You need solid transaction data from the ERP. Um, you need to be able to uh, map that information to you know, sometimes information that only lives in your point of sale. All of this, you know, respecting rules and regulations about uh, personal data, as, as we know, that's that's an important component of it. So, uh, you know, with, with all these challenges together, I think that's that's what we're trying to do today, and really take the data from the digital storefront, uh, website, etc., marry that with strong data from ERP and all these backend processes to make sure that we not only provide a better customer experience for our current customers, but try to uh, convert the ones that you know may be interested in the brand. Okay, and and actually when we when we talk about this better efficiency and and a few weeks ago we also had on on this show uh, someone specialized in AI uh, when it came to stock management. Um, with with this rise in efficiency, will, is it also seen as a way to improve sustainable management of your stocks? Uh, God, I I thought this was a, a great question. Uh, uh, 
there's there's many answers to this, but this is really a field we're really interested in right now. I think um, we we're not retailers. We're here to help them with technology solutions. But we understand that you know the importance of some of these uh, trends we see in, in fashion retail. So you know more sustainable fashion. Um, it's an important component. It, and to do that, you know, you need to provide data to the customer, for instance. So people are attacking this from different angles. I mean, some, um, you may have seen, you know, blockchain projects where, yeah. um, you know, for individual items, you can tell this has been produced in a, a factory in this country, maybe using these subcontractors, guaranteeing that there's no child labor, you know, used in the process, etc. Or we with these materials, raw materials that come from renewable sources. So I think blockchain is an interesting approach to this. Um, some people have been attacking it from, um, you know, some of the retailers have great RFID capabilities today where, you know, there's no need to actually perform. They know where they have inventory because every individual piece um, uh, unit in the store is identified. So you know when it comes in, you know when it leaves the store, um, and uh, there's really no, you know, uh, no need to perform any manual actions anymore. So that same RFID chip can carry information about the origin of the product, its composition, raw materials. Again, you know, some of the stuff that uh, uh, customers may be interested in, um, with this idea in mind that you want to guarantee that your products follow, uh, you know, responsible and sustainable uh, patterns. So not all of these processes, but some of it will, you know, also live in, in the ERP transactional systems, because that's sort of the gateway to know when goods move in and out of inventory in your warehouses um, and, um, you know, are sold or, or disappear. <laughs> so I think, again, um, it is important, it's, it's, uh, but there's so much more to it. That's really where we see all, a lot of the interesting technology innovations and solutions. Um, and I'm, I'm really glad because it's, it's an interesting field to look at. And uh, yeah, Hitachi Solutions definitely is playing in this sector because of uh, uh, what we want to do. We, we, Hitachi's mission is social innovation, meaning we want to do uh, technology solutions for our customers that have an impact on society. So that's, that falls perfectly in line with uh, our mission and what we're trying to do. Um, and and this, is, this is where I see a lot of interesting developments in the coming months. All right. And, and we talk a lot about efficiency. We talk a lot about uh, uh, even agility is a word that I, that I hear often uh, lately uh, when it comes to organizations. But, but basically, I, I have the feeling that when we increase all those efficiencies and, 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 and processes, it's to bring some goods from point A to point B point A being whatever in the process and B until the end is the customer. And don't we miss uh, in all this logistical supply chain uh, vision, a little bit of the dream or the, the, the pleasure shopping aspect, how, how to increase or introduce that in the, in the equation? Yeah, I, I, so I don't know about you, but I, I'm you know, part of those people who still struggle to buy uh, clothes online. I mean, I, we, I do, and my wife sort of <laughs> tries to, probably does a lot of that for me. Uh, but um, the, the, and that may be the reason, by the way, why uh, you know, digital sales wasn't 
didn't catch on super early with uh, with fashion retailers. It was a bit behind uh, electronics, for example, or other you know goods, because you need that experience of touching the product, seeing how it fits. But we've seen a lot of innovation there too. That you know, with uh, uh, a lot of interesting companies are providing these solutions ahead of the curve and. Right now, you know, most of the retailers are using these external solutions to provide that experience, but it's increasingly um, possible to see how a product fits online without, uh, you know, providing a lot of information about yourself. Um, I've seen this interesting um, solution uh, where, uh, you know, to, that they make t-shirts, and, and pardon me, but I, I forget the name of the company, but they make t-shirt that, that fit you perfectly just based on you know your age i think weight you just give them three measurements then there's an algorithm that calculates a range of uh, you know measures on on the piece of clothing itself that have just extrapolated from this model using you know ai and apparently the uh, the t-shirts turn out great so again i think technology can help you with that pleasure of shopping uh, you know if you look at the t-shirt for example it's been very hard for me and, and it becomes harder and harder as I age to find a good, good fitting t-shirt just by walking into a store because they don't have it. However, you know, this makes it possible for me to order something where I actually look pretty decent, uh, even at you know, my age, um, just because of uh, the fact that we've applied technology to the shopping process. So I think it, it comes both ways. I think the stores are certainly not going away. Everybody's saying that. It's, a, it's an opportunity to uh, try things in the physical world, but we're seeing more and more alternative solutions to that that actually provide a new shopping experience where um, you, can, you can provide, uh, you know, in the case of the T-shirt company, something at a pretty decent cost for them. You know, it's, not, it's customizable, but they, they have a limited number of options uh, where you're actually going to be very happy with what you buy because it fits you pretty well. All right, so it, pleasure shopping is feasible uh, in the future, and it's not just all about logistics. And, and perhaps to, to, to finish with, with one last question, um, I was wondering what, what sort of advice would you give today to, to fashion retailers and perhaps also other retailers active in different segments, obviously, uh, who are listening to the show? When it comes to ERP systems, what, what kind of advice would you give as a final word today? Yeah, it's, it's a great question too. I, I think knowing a, a lot of my, uh, I'm thinking of some of my previous clients and nobody really wants to do an ERP project because people understand that they're hard. They're, they're a complete, if you do them right, they're a business transformation effort. So it will be hard on your staff, it will involve a lot of people. Um, there's some pain associated to it. Um, you have to accept that. Um, because at the end, if done right, then you've really you know, taken away some of the, uh, the things that make day-to-day -day tasks difficult. Um, you've taken some of the nonsense out of your operations and you can focus on what really makes you stand out as a retailer um, on your own strengths. You know, it, it shouldn't matter to you, um, you know, that how, how specifically you're going to route a product from point A to point B, as you said earlier, uh, you have to do that part efficiently. 
so that uh, the customer gets goods in time or you don't miss sales because you don't have the newest collection in stores when you've uh, promoted it. So it's, you know, accepting the fact that it's going to be a business transformation and not just buying an IT tool. That's number one. Um, the second thing is probably, you know, preparing for that. Once you've committed to the fact to actually, you know, get that ERP system out there, you have to have a solid business case. So solid business case to me doesn't mean, you know, a financial simulation where you actually expect an RI. I mean, not necessarily. Some companies like to do that. But however, what you have to have at the minimum is the expected benefits out of the project, meaning I will be, I'll give you a couple examples um, uh, from a recent situation. I want to be able to have a tool that lets me grow from 150 million revenue to 400 million without adding additional, you know, general administrative staff, for example. That's a good goal. You know, it doesn't, it's pretty specific uh, and it is achievable within ERP because you're going to automate some of the tasks. Another goal could be, uh, uh, you know, the ability to connect to newer uh, warehouse management systems, for example. So list those benefits and keep them in mind while you do your ERP project. That's how you will measure success. Um, also think about the skills that are needed, not just for the project, but also after the project is done for the maintenance of uh, your shiny new ERP. Um, you know, some skills are rare in the market and they're more expensive and harder to uh, to have these people so um, you know if you, retailers need to focus on their jobs and what makes them good so it's probably better to to go for more standard people for the ERP piece uh, which creates less of a competitive advantage um, so I think those are three pieces of advice um, I can think of uh, right off the bat but if, if you follow those um, and of course you look at the fundamentals how much will it cost me um, one of the things I often see is, uh, you know, retailers in the uh, uh, you know, 100 to 200 million range, they really need an ERP. There's no doubt about it. They're, you're already large enough to, to make that commitment. The question is, you know, which one? And some are more expensive. And think about the future. Think about the next three or four years where you will be. Sometimes it's easy because you have investments and financial backing. Sometimes it's a bit harder to do and to project yourself, but you, you, that's a long-term investment in ERP, even with cloud, even with the, you know, it's somewhat easier today than it was before to change providers. It's still quite, quite an adventure. So make that commitment knowing that you will live with that for four or five years minimum, sometimes more. Um, yeah. So I guess that's, that's it in a nutshell, but uh you, you will have to bite the bullet and, and make sure that ERP brings you something in return, some, some tangible benefits to your company. And so work with a good partner on, on that, thinking about it before you do it, and then a good partner to help you through the actual transformation. Well, thank you. That's great advice and, and great insights uh, today. And those are great words to finish this uh, podcast because uh, we could talk for hours, but uh, we have to uh, sometimes limit ourselves. Thank you very much, Marco, for being here. And I really look forward to uh, hear more from you in the future and uh, perhaps to have you back on the show another time. Thank you. Thanks, Vincent. Me too. Thanks for having me. Bye. Well, that's all for today. And uh, I thought it was quite interesting. And for those who want to read the full white paper about the survey, I placed the link on my website. 
Obviously, if you want to get in touch, don't hesitate to write an email as usual. I also invite you to check out the website 27retail.com for more retail stories and join us next week for a new episode. In the meantime, thank you for listening.